Hello, it's Dr. Hughes here. Today I'm going to kind of go into a a short lesson in a textbook on multicultural psychology. It's the fifth edition of this Understanding Our Diverse Communities, and the authors are Mio, Barker, Rodriguez, and Gonzalez. They have a really interesting chapter where they go into what is multicultural psychology and uh, they address it as the uh, fourth force and they start to kind of describe it in terms of the um, understanding the cultural context of behavior via the biopsychosocial model and I thought it was really interesting that they used the story of um, Um, kind of based in a book called As Nature Made Him, The Boy Who Was Raised as a Girl by John Calapinto, uh, 2000. And the book is based on a man named David Raymer, who on the morning of May 5th, 2004, retrieved a shotgun from his home while his wife, Jane, was at work. He took this shotgun into the garage, he sawed off the barrel, and he shot himself. So, he actually didn't do it in the garage. He drove to a nearby parking lot of a grocery store. He parked, he raised the gun, and then he shot himself. He was 38 years old. And what led David to this decision um, was kind of what the authors feel was based on his life, which they break down via the uh, biopsychosocial model. And I thought that was very interesting. And I'm thinking about using it to kind of start my class or at least go into it in a couple of the first class sessions for the spring semester 2021. However, I want to first tell you that the uh, multiculturalism being considered the fourth first is real. So, however, first you want to probably know what the previous three were. The first force was pretty much a key theorist was Freud, which was uh, the theory was psychoanalysis. The second force was behaviorism. And those key theorists were people like Watson, Skinner, Pavlov, Thorndike. Then you have your third force, which is humanism. And that's where I kind of um, lean towards along with the fourth one. But with that humanism, you have people like Rogers who are key theorists. But I also think that you probably want to add people like Maslow and the, uh, especially when you're talking about like the hierarchy of needs. And then you have that fourth force, which I'm going to talk a little bit about today, which is the multiculturalism. And um, it's pretty much described as the idea um, that multicultural psychology and counseling is so important that it will fundamentally change the direction of the field of psychology and counseling as psychoanalysis 
um, ism, behaviorism and humanism did because of the paradigm shift that it calls for, which is a major change in the way people think about a field. So that fourth force um, suggests that the perspective will have just as big as an impact on the field of psychology and counseling as the first three forces did. And a very key figure, Peterson, um, he doesn't see multiculturalism as replacing the other three theories, which is really important to add, um, but he sees it as being an addition. Um, it's a fourth dimension to psychology and counseling, according to Sue, um, and used as a supplement, uh, ideally to strengthen the other three. So, according to Peterson, labeling multiculturalism at the force, um, and that force kind of explores the possibility that we're moving toward a generic theory of multiculturalism that recognizes the psychological consequences of each cultural context where each behavior has actually been learned and is displayed and calls attention to the way in which culture-centered perspective has changed the way we look at psychology and counseling across the fields uh, or across theories that we use to discuss our the way we orient our practices within the discipline so you have to be really cognizant of that because it definitely takes on a huge meaning because it challenges us to acknowledge that a all behavior occurs kind of in or is impacted by a cultural context b until recently this fact has virtually been ignored by the field, social sciences overall, pretty much. Um, and I want to really just say this is uh, the fields. It's based on psychology and counseling as both are two distinct disciplines. However, lots of overlap. And then C, once we understand the nature and contribution of culture, this understanding will dramatically alter and expand the way we study and understand behaviors. So Peterson and others um, really have an idea that multicultural psychologists will also start to kind of come about and, and, and surface in the way that we talk about how we help people um, with their mental health, how we understand behaviors um, that are related to mental health, um, pretty much overall com combining these as uh, different composites that we're looking at. So um, the part that I'm going to go into is this understanding the cultural context of behavior um, really is from this biopsychosocial model because it has some major tenets um, that are built within multicultural psychology and counseling because it says that all behavior occurs in a cultural context. Therefore, to fully understand human behavior, we must understand its cultural context. And those cultural influences are basically everything. So the biopsychosocial model helps 
To really explain the effect of culture on behavior, it's an actual model. And uh, the model grew out of behavioral medicine and health psychology, which focuses on an understanding of the psychological, social, and biological factors that contribute to illness and that can be utilized in the treatment and prevention of illness and the promotion of wellness. And that latter, you know, is my area, wellness. It's the promotion of wellness. Um, it can be used as a prevention as opposed to always having to intervene. And although the model, it really, it's, I don't know, it originated um, to be used as a focus on understanding of physical illness. However, it also is very useful in understanding psychological illnesses. So let's take a look. So going back to David. So I talked to you or let you know about um, his act of suicide and ending his own life. It was uh, May 5th, 2004. So that's not really that long ago. But I don't think a lot of people have a understanding of what really happened. So Mio et al., really go into this in their textbook on multicultural psychology. So they go into what was kind of going on. What was the despair? What was going on? What was in this guy's life? Um, and I say this guy on purpose because I'm going to be coming back to that. So listen carefully and take down some notes maybe and have some ideas. Um, so the press reported that there was an array of reasons. He had bad investments, marital problems, his twin brother's death was two years prior um, as a result of a drug overdose. Uh, surprisingly, there was little emphasis given to the circumstances of his upbringing. And the upbringing is where it's very vital to understand. And as we and the counseling profession and in psychological type services, we need to take more of a look at that when it comes to culture. When the authors of this text are describing his culture, I do want to point out that not one time do I hear anything about his ethnicity, although they do bring up, well, they show a picture of him and he does have some sort of Eurocentric look, but there's still not a say on what his ethnicity is. So they do talk about how it was unfortunate that David's suicide was um, pretty much, uh, it was an extraordinary circumstance that was based on um, this book you can read or maybe you want to grab hold of it. Maybe for your future reading, um, it's by Colt. Colapinto, um, and it's titled As Nature Made Him, The Boy Who Was Raised as a Girl. So David Raymer was one of the most favorite or famous patients in medical history. He was eight months old when his doctor um, was doing a routine circumcision, accidentally removed his entire penis. David's parents were referred to a leading expert on gender identity 
psychologist Dr. John Money, who recommended the surgical sex change um, from male to female and the administration of female hormones to further feminize David's body. Keynote one, write that down because we're going to be coming back to it. So David became the ultimate experiment to prove that nature, not nurture, determines gender identity and sexual orientation. Key perspective one, and that's not something that I'm saying that I agree with. These are the authors of this textbook, Multicultural Psychology, 5th Edition, Understanding Our Diverse Communities, Jeffrey Scott Mio, et al. So what's going on here? His twin brother, Brian, twin brother, Brian, provided a perfect match model for this experiment that they say was an accidental removing of David Raymer's entire penis. Okay? So, Dr. Money, who was the psychologist here, who recommended the surgical sex change, um, he wanted to treat David, and so he did. He saw him, and according to his published reports, through the 1970s, the experiment was, quote-unquote, a success. David, who has been now or at that time, renamed Brenda and portrayed him as a happy girl. He portrayed him as a happy girl in his published reports. I'm coming back to that, so please put a pin on that. The reality was far more complicated, definitely, as quote-unquote Brenda angrily tore off dresses, refused to play with dolls, beat up his twin brother, beat up her twin brother, and I quote that from the textbook, and seized his toy cars and guns. His school, um, she was relentlessly teased for her masculine gait, taste, and behaviors. The other children would not let her use other boys or girls' restrooms. So she had to go in the back alley. She complained to her parents and teachers that she felt like a boy. Brenda was also traumatized by her early visits to Dr. Money, who used pictures of naked adults to quote-unquote reinforce Brenda's gender identity and who pressed her to have further surgery on her quote-unquote vagina. Meanwhile, Brenda's guilt-written mother-adopted suicide as an idea to really relinquish this guilt. Her attempt didn't happen. Her father lapsed into alcoholism. And the neglected twin brother Brian eventually descended into drug use, petty crime, and clinical depression. So, rewinding back to my I, <clears throat> my thoughts about the uh, before 2004, Brian had committed suicide or a drug overdose, as the book says. 
So when Brenda was 14, local psychiatrists finally convinced the parents to tell Brenda slash David the truth. Later said about the revelation, suddenly it all made sense why I felt the way I did. I wasn't some type of weirdo. I wasn't crazy. End quote. David went through painful processes of converting back to his biological sex, yet was still very troubled, attempted suicide twice in his 20s. He eventually married, but he was not easy to live with, given his explosive anger, fears of abandonment, feeling of sexual inadequacy, and continued depressive episodes. At about the age of 30, David received help from a rival psychologist of Dr. Money. This rival psychologist was Dr. Mitten Diamond at the University of Hawaii. But he continued to have difficulties. In the spring of 2002, his twin brother died of an overdose of antidepressant medication. Then, in the fall of 2003, David was cheated out of $65,000 by an alleged con man. I mean, really, what's kind of going on? Why is this even in the case conceptualization? The last straw seemed to come on May 2nd, 2004, after 14 years of a difficult marriage, 14 years married. David's wife told him she wanted a separation. Two days later, David ended his own separation. And I'm using those words according to the book. Those are not my words. I'm just telling you that right now because there's definitely um, room for critique in how this, uh, this patient, so to speak, this client has been conceptualized. So you definitely want to take into account that there were so many factors that that contributed to David Reamer's suicide. The biopsychosocial model, as Mio et al. talk about, helps put those factors into perspective. The biopsychosocial model says that the behavior can be understood on many levels. So let's break down how Mio et al. actually use the framework of the biological um, level to kind of break down the biopsychosocial model. So the biological being the first is the most basic. It's that our bio, that, that our, I don't know, our behavior, not necessarily just our biology, but our behavior is influenced by our physiological and genetic makeup. That's where the biology comes in. Um, and we lack certain nutrients. Our body sends us um, signals that that something is out of balance and must be corrected. For example, if we do not have enough fluids in our body, we feel thirsty and are motivated to drink. If our body lacks fuel, we feel hungry and we feel the need to eat. The behaviors of eating and drinking are linked to those basic biological needs. That's where I think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and that's what I said. That's that, what is that, that third force to humanism. Um, our behavior is also influenced by our genetic makeup. 
there was evidently a strong genetic component to David Reamer's depression. Now, I thought this was really interesting that they were talking about his depression. So they kind of boxed this in to the diagnosis of major depression as far as what David Reamer was dealing with. I definitely argue with that. Uh, the authors of this text say that his mother and brother suffered from depression and his father may have as well. It is possible that his father was self-medicating his depression through alcohol use. Research clearly indicates that depressive disorders tend to run in families. But was it depression that the mother and father was dealing with or was it guilt? Or are they saying that guilt is a symptom that helps meet the criteria of depression? Hmm. Take a look at your DSM-5. You, you might want to look further into that. So the authors of this multicultural psychology textbook also say that perhaps David Reamer inherited a biological predisposition to depression from one or both of his parents. Mm. Or does that really go back to the quote unquote accident that the doctor made so early in life that I'm thinking of this as a need to be conceptualized as trauma which the depression could be a symptom of as far as, as far as meeting criteria for a PTSD, but then maybe there wasn't so much of the P because there was this constant stress, um, constant trauma, I'm sorry, going on so much that it wasn't just post, but it was this continuous aspect of it. So, and this textbook doesn't go into that, but that's my uh, critical critique, critique of this. So going into the second level of the bio psychosocial model that the authors, um, that the authors discuss is via the, this um, is this cognitive affective level, and that's the psychological part that the framework attends to, and the cognitions uh, refer to our thoughts, but include all of our basic mental processes, such as affect refers to feelings or emotions. This level examines the effect of our thoughts and feelings um, that they have on our behavior. The connection between one's mental or psychological state and physical health has been long established. We talk about those as this almost in a bi-directional way even as very much constructs to a fuller composite. So the connection between one's mental or psychological state and the psychological, um, the physical health really impacts our immune system, which is weakened over time, especially when we're stressed, because that's when we're most likely to get sick. So you have probably had some type of experience of coming down with a cold during or immediately after having a particularly stressful week. Uh, at school, at work, with your family, in the community, um, dealing with psychological um, ideas and your perspectives of when you engage with society. And right now in society, 2020 has been an 
type of a, a year that you've probably experienced lots of sickness uh, related to stress that opens up the doorway to other viruses and diseases that because your immune system has been weakened. Lots of correlations there. Take some notes, go further into it, and definitely do some thinking. So let's move on. The cognitive affect, um, this level within the biopsychosocial model, um, is where most people understand and think about mental disorder because most of what we know and study in the field of psychology and counseling occurs at this level. Currently, the most popular theory of depression is the cognitive theory proposed by Aaron Beck. Um, Beck talks about this neg negative cognitive triad, and that's what Beck labels for the negative view um, depressed individuals tend to have around themselves, the world, and the future. So right now, definitely we're gauging in the conceptualization of depression um, as a diagnosis for David Reamer, but also please take into account that there's definitely some PTSD there or some ideas of a, a like a, an acute stressor-related um, perspective across the course of his lifespan. That's what I'm adding in. So those cognitive concerns or errors um, or distortions of reality are what Beck actually talks about. But wouldn't that be from um, not necessarily the fourth wave of multiculturalism, but more so really back to the second force of behaviorism where we're talking Pavlov, Thorndike, uh, Watson, and Skinner. I don't know how much the... Um, the multiculturalism right now is really coming into play. So one of the examples of the cognitive eras that uh, is attributed to Beck's perspective is overgeneralization, um, which also could go into the first force when we're talking about psychoanalysis and Freud's uh, defense mechanisms, to be quite frank. So however, um, where a person would draw global conclusions about his or her worth, ability, or even performance on the basis of a single fact. So, for instance, um, they refer back to David Reamer, whereas he may have concluded that because he did not have a penis, he was less far of a man and would never be able to have a normal, happy, and satisfying married life, yet he was married for 14 years. What was really going on in those um, 14 years? We don't get that information to have a better or clear picture of what those years were like for him and his wife. So I don't know necessarily that we can go into that as, um, as clear or with clarity as we could. So according to Beck, such negative and distorted thoughts led to negative or depressed feelings. Take a point on that, think about it, and maybe discuss it with some colleagues or peers. Once people get caught into this negative cycle, it is very hard for them to get out. Even after David met and married Jane, he was still plagued with feelings of low self-esteem and sexual inadequacy. Moving to the third level here. The third level of the biopsychosocial model is the social interpersonal level. And really, this is broken down 
um, into three components or constructs, if you will, because this is where the authors feel that the multicultural aspect of the fourth fourth comes in because it's the cycle um, where there's the social interpersonal, social institutional, and cultural. There's this focus on the impact of social relationships on our behavior. For example, the various approaches to marriage and family therapy emphasize that the problems of individual family members are the result of the interpersonal dynamics of the entire family system or the unique pattern of interactions among family members. There was an interpersonal component to David Reamer's depression here. Um, his family relationships likely influenced his depression as he interacted with his alcohol-abusing father, his guilt-ridden mother, and his neglected brother. In addition, David was the recipient of relentless teasing and cruelty from his peers, which, li which likely also affected the development of this depression. However, was it, was it much more than that? I can't keep thinking, but there's got to be more than this depression because I feel like we are, in a sense, boxing him in. And I know we need a diagnosis, but I just don't know if depression is just it. There's got to be some comorbidity there, at least. So the fourth level of the biopsychosocial model is that social institutional level that I mentioned. So the social institutional level is something definitely to be thought of at a, as a larger uh, complexity um, that you might want to also take some notes on. So the social institutions are large, complex, relatively stable clusters of social relationships that involve people working together to address some basic human or societal need. And that's according to Sullivan and Thompson, 1994. Examples of this social institution include military, the government, educational systems, and large corporations. I think there are a little bit more than that, but that's pretty deep that they would start off with the military on this. They meaning the authors of this book. So at the level of analysis, psychologists, and I'm not even going to add counselors to this, but psychologists try to... <clears throat> understand behavior and how it's influenced by our interactions with these large organizations. I think that's very intricate. Um, and I don't know, I, I put a dot, dot, dot there. Um, so for example, a man may become depressed because of his company downsizes and he loses his job. A businesswoman may um, become depressed because she's juggling demands of both career and family. And, and, and I think both of those examples that are given by Mio et al. definitely need further investigating in additions to how we would even conceptualize um, giving these two people um, symptoms of depression. Of course they are depressed, but that's so secondary or tertiary. I think there's something that comes um, before that that probably are more fundamental to the problems that they're having in their businesses. So going back to David's case where he was influenced by the family's interactions with healthcare system, first with the botched circumcision and then with the referral to and advice of, who is that? Dr. Money. So definitely going into Dr. Money. Please research this guy because um, this psychologist 
has his notes published, so I think that would be great for further reading. So at the time of the quote-unquote accident of the circumcision, David's parents were described as teenagers barely off the farm. What does that mean? Um, that's by Colapinto, 2004. Definitely go into that book. Um, it's not hard to imagine the fear and the, the confusion and the influence that powerful authority had on these teenagers having David. Um, so when they describe him, um, Dr. Money, they described him as an authority figure, um, with the backing of the medical establishment, um, and what that had on their decision-making. Definitely. I wonder to myself, though, was there a racial difference? What was going on? Because we still don't know the ethnicity or the race of David or his parents. They only talk about the influence that a powerful authority figure such as Dr. Mundy had because he, this Dr. Mundy was also, again, backed by the medical establishment. And I like the fact that they do say establishment. Um, so anyone who has had a serious medical problem had to navigate the healthcare system can attest to how stressful this can be. So right there, we're talking about the social justice in a sense, even though they're not talking about it in this book, but they, the fifth force of psychology and counseling is, which is social justice. I guess we're not there yet within this textbook, but look further into maybe your reading and talking about what I'm discussing today in this mini lecture, but the fifth force, look up the fifth force and see what it is. So let's keep it moving. The final level of the biopsychosocial model is the cultural level. So you may have been wondering um, where culture would factor into this model. And I was honestly, as I was reading as well. So as we have discussed, Cultural reflects values, beliefs, practices of a group of people, and all behavior occurs in a cultural context. And I definitely want to repeat that in my, in my notes right here. Culture reflects the values, beliefs, and practices of a group of people, and all behavior occurs in a cultural context. David Raymer's case was influenced by the cultural attitudes of the time. We're talking about the 60s and the 70s, okay? So context is very important. In the 60s and the 1970s, when David was growing up, traditional, traditional gender roles um, still predominated our society. The belief was that David had to, had to be either male or female which could be dictated by his genitals and that's how he was indeed treated and that's what the the schema that he grew into and developed over time as well however when brenda slash david did not fit the traditional ideas of how a girl ought to behave wearing dresses playing with dolls walking and talking a certain way he was ridiculed by his friends his peers and I don't even want to say that these were his friends. These were other kids at school that had other messages that they also were learning in their homes. And they brought their homes into school, which was what? A system of education. 
So, as an adult, David equated masculinity or being, quote, real man with having a penis and being able to sexually satisfy his wife. That was a message. That's a schema. So, where did his ideas about masculinity in the proper um, husband role come from? We definitely have to be able to conceptualize that into ideas of how we're going to help a person, okay? They don't talk about that there, but I definitely want to just take a segue into that and say case conceptualization is so much bigger that we have to understand the schemas of where this person's gender roles and sexuality definitely come into play as a part of their culture because it does lend to some behaviors that occult and what? a cultural context. So definitely come into um some ideas to do some further reading because as an adult, David equated masculinity um with that. So what was it? What did what does it mean to sexually satisfy his wife? Over the 14 years, what was really going on? What were all the different um different I don't I don't want to say experiments at this time, but the the medical procedures that was done to give him now a penis because before that even into his teens and early 20s he still had a um a vagina that was not not real so they came from this larger society they meaning his ideas where did the ideas about masculinity and the proper um, husband role come from. So what would have happened to David if he had been born in a different culture? I want to say race too. They just say culture, but break it down into those other identities. Um, do you think it's, um, the circumstances would have been different? And I'm really asking you to think about that. What do you think would have happened to him if he were born today, 2020, going into 2021 in a couple of days here? So have some ideas about this biopsychosocial model as it's um, concentric circles with the, uh, the biological level that's in the center and each level having a larger ring at the last and the largest being the cultural level. So that's really what um, is a larger composite, but it has to embrace those center circles there. The biological level is the most basic in which we can analyze and understand behavior and the levels become larger and more complex because each level is influencing the last and the final level culture influences all the levels. Okay, so the biopsychosocial model reminds us that all behavior occurs within the cultural context. And to kind of wrap this up, um, a complete analysis of David Reamer's suicide must consider all levels from his biological predisposition uh, to the, the symptoms of depression, I'm going to say, to his negative patterns of thinking or was it what he learned? What Was it negative? Do we have to put it into a sense of negative versus positive? Or could it, could it have been just something that was hindering across the, the course of his lifespan um, because of the family dynamics to the treatment by peers to the healthcare system, which is huge in this, um, the healthcare system and the cultural beliefs about gender roles. All of these work together seemingly against David. Um, to lead him to the moment when he raised a shotgun to take his own life. All right. So going back into that, 
just to kind of wrap that up, I used the case study and the idea of David Reamer to have a better understanding of how we use the biocycle social model as a framework to case conceptualize or um, the clients that we're looking to help and work with. Of course, there's more to this case. There's more to what we would do to help out. But you want to pretty much definitely go into that. And I think the next thing I'm going to go into are the basic tenets of multicultural theory. Um, as you want to pretty much understand this paradigm We're using the fourth force here, which is multicultural, multiculturalism. All right. That's it for me. Wow, this is longer than I thought it would be, but we're going into a, over a little over 40 minutes. So thank you again. Um, my name is Dr. Sharita Hughes, and you can find my website, www.cesd.biz, and that's Counselor Education, Supervision, and Development. I do trainings. Um, lectures on topics that impact the profession of uh, counseling and psychology and to just be able to provide us with some greater depth from outside the classroom into the world because I also am still in practice so it's not that I'm just doing lectures I'm also practicing and bringing those lectures to life with what I'm still learning in practice. Thank you. Have a good one. I'll see you soon. Hopefully I'm in New Jersey, um, trying to reach people all over the world and please get in contact with me. I can be reached at Sharita Hughes one at yahoo.com and that's S H E R R I T T A H U G H E S one at yahoo.com and that's the numerical one um my school address is s h u g h e s at georgian.edu looking forward to hearing from you soon or you can also send me some messages or replies or comments on this website here on the podcast as also the um the uh the website www.cesd.biz all right take care folks